The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. You're welcome back to The Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cuddy with you until seven o'clock. John Kelleher is with me now. John was only here yesterday uh, to talk about Barbara Walters and the uh, last post. John is not here. Nobody has suddenly died that John demanded to come into studio to talk about. Instead, John is here. I'm delighted to say for the Thursday interview. Um, John, you're very, very welcome. How are you? Thanks very much, Kieran. Glad to be here again. Um, you were an army brat. Is that how they describe people like you growing up? I suppose that's that. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it as that, but that it was. My dad was a doctor who joined the British Army. He after he graduated from Cork from UCC, um, like many of his class, they uh, had to go to the UK. Uh, and the war was breaking. I'd like to think that he wanted to fight Hitler, but I, I think it was more a case of you know needing a job. So he was uh, uh, a doctor in the army, in the British Army, and we were. I went to school wherever he was stationed, if you like. Mm. So Egypt, Austria, Germany, uh, and then I went to boarding school. You know, they always wanted us to retain that connection with Ireland. What was that like? What was like nineteen fifties Egypt? Is that where you? Yeah, were? it was. It was a, actually it was a, a very. Um, traumatic time to be there in the sense that there was a lot of it. There was Egyptian nationalism was um, it was just before Nasser uh, mm. took over. So it was a very um, uh, tense time. We actually went to school in uh, with the machine gunner in the in the in the truck that was taking us really? to school. I was only six or seven. And you probably just think this is just this is normal, like any six or seven year old. Yeah, it's, it's exciting actually. Over yeah, 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 yeah. Well, somebody you know shoot him or you know. So you had no sense of your own jeopardy. No, at that no, age. No, not at that age. And what was Germ? Where in Germany were you based? We were in two places. Once, uh, first in München Gladbach, and then later in Dusseldorf, near Dusseldorf. Okay. I was quite interesting there because this was post-war. This was like the mid late fifties, and every male that you saw, practically every male that you saw. Uh, was was you know had a uh, an arm missing or was on crutches or mm. you know or there were not so many men like it was you could see the, and the buildings of course were still not reconstructed so there was a real end of war feeling still there because uh, that's interesting I remember even just going on holidays as a kid and there would be German men of a certain age and you can't help but speculate you know you you must have been involved in the war to some degree. Um, you know, where did they fight? What was their station uh, during those years? I th- I've uh, often thought witness? about. I've often thought about that since, and I think my my sister, my brother, myself, we were too young to to be concerned in a sense yeah. uh, about that. But clearly, the people that we were meeting, you know, we we had a we had a kind of a housekeeper, Martha, and you'd wonder, like, you know, what you know, she went through the war. Oh, you know, what was her husband? What was her son? You know, it was an, it's a natural question. And I mean, so beyond the, like, the, the physical evidence before your eyes of missing limbs and, and buildings crashing, like, to what extent during that period? And I know I appreciate you were young, but did, did the spectre of the war still loom over everything in Germany? I don't. I think. I think for a child, not really. Okay. You know, you you go with your surroundings as they are, and you don't question them too much. You know, you take things for mm. for granted. Um, 
but all of the kids that I was at school with were the sons and daughters of you know, they were army brats like us. Yeah, you know, so um, that it was very in a sense it was very British, you know, because it was we were effectively working, living or not working, but living in a in a kind of a British army zone. Mm. And what was like? Had you a sense? at that age, of, like, your own identity? Like, were you very much Irish within the British Army, the family, or or, or what was it? Oh, yeah. My, my father always, um, I mean, his Cork accent got stronger the more. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we always were. And I, I think it's to their credit that, I mean, they could have had us educated right up to, you know, college, college level for nothing, for free, you know. Uh, but they really wanted to make sure we didn't lose our connection with, with Ireland. So they they sent all of us, as it happens, to to boarding school. What were, like uh, um, that was not necessarily an, an an unusual thing. There are fewer boarding schools now than there were in the past. So you know, m- more kids were sent off. It still, on some level, had to be traumatic, though, was it? At age twelve, I, being sent off to I was you went to Clongos, was I, it? Yeah, I was younger. I was actually. I mean, it's it doesn't bear thinking about, but I was actually nine. You were nine when, when I went there. Ten a month or two later, but inc- incredibly, like I went. Two two weeks ago, I went with my nine-year-old grandson to see Munster and Leinster playing in Thomond Park. You know, yeah. and I was looking at him and thinking, like, you know, when I was your age, I was at boarding school. You know, my parents lived in another country. Yeah, and I, it's just, it, it, I wouldn't send a, a child of mine. I think now, mm. I wouldn't send them to to boarding school. Yeah, I, I think, I definitely don't think so. I mean, I, I, I have happy memories, you know, mm. uh, and I think it was a great experience, but I definitely wouldn't, I think, yeah, want it, to. I guess nowadays, you know, it's much easier for kids. Well, most of them, I assume, go home at weekends, even nowadays, you know, the, the transport and travel and everything is so easy. Um as you said, when you were that, your parents were in a different country. There was no going home at yeah. weekends. Yeah, I we were you, you, you were there till the next big holiday, Christmas. Exactly. Or, yeah, we were lucky in that we. I had a, quite a lot of aunts and uncles, you know, who 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 sort of took pity on me. And, yeah, visited and and also we we had like days where we got up to see a rugby match or mm. or whatever, but nothing like today. I mean, it's far more open society yeah. today. W- w- would your relationship then with your parents, would it have would it have cooled a little bit over that period just by, by virtue of not seeing them? I don't know if it would have cooled. It, it was certainly, I mean, the holidays were something that you really looked forward to, you know. And yeah. we, had a, we had a great relationship with our parents, you know. Um, I, I've, I've really happy memories of childhood, actually, you know, uh, Perhaps especially in Austria. Of, of, of oh, the what, what, what was it about Austria? Well, my memory is that it was all the time skiing or swimming, yeah. one or the other. Okay. You know? and, uh, Great outdoors. Yeah, it was just a fantastic. My my dad was uh, he was the commandant of a of a um, a military hospital. Okay. And um, uh, but my our days seemed to be kind of you know going to the to the this huge lake, the Vertice, to swim mm. or in the winter to, to ski. Was your dad proud of his service? You know, because I accept what you say at the start, he, he went for a job. He, you know, it wasn't a vocational thing to go off and join the British Army like it might be for someone else. But so, but by the end of it, like, was he proud of it? 
Uh, I think it was just something that that he 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 did. He saw his, his job, the, his job, his okay. op, the option for him. I mean, he he did. It was very difficult at the time he graduated, which would have been in the mid thirties, mm. mid nineteen thirties. Very difficult to to get work in this in this country, and you know, so many people emigrated. Uh, as I said, half his class. Yeah, it's amazing. Did you want to follow in his footsteps? Then? No. No, Did you not? I think I might have for a couple of months when I was very young, but I never really, I certainly didn't want to be in the army and I didn't want to be a doctor. What did you want to do? Um, I think I always wanted in some shape or form to, to work in uh, what we would now call media, you know, whether yeah. it's film, TV or journalism. Uh, I always, always had a yen for, for that. That now, you know, someone... 17, 18, 19, whatever age they happened to be when you made that kind of, uh, uh, you had that realisation. Um, there's probably a lot more options, I assume. I don't want to age in it, John, but I, like, totally. a couple of newspapers and RTE, that was probably that it, was was it. it? That was absolutely it. I mean, there wasn't a film industry as such, nothing that you could really call a film industry. Yeah. Um, the, and then RTE was the only game in town, literally. Um, and I was fortunate enough after college I, I did. I got a scholarship to go to the states, and I did a master's in drama, and that helped me then when I applied to RTE, and I was lucky enough to you know to get into RTE mm. as a trainee producer director, because as you say, like there was it was the only you know game in town if you wanted to work in that business. And had you a vision then of wanting to work specifically in the film industry, or or did that just come later? Because as you said, there there was no film industry really here. I think it came later. I think, I mean, I was very happy to be working in television. I mean, mm. television was very exciting. RT was a very exciting place. I don't know if it still is. I don't think it's quite as exciting today. Um, but in those days, there was new ground being broken. It was it was relatively new. It had only been on air for, what, 10 years when I joined. Yeah. And it just somehow seemed to be more informal, less bureaucratic, perhaps, uh, less structured, um, and things happened much more quickly, uh, it seems, than they they do they do now. Yeah. Um, and it was it was exciting actually. So what 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 this is the early seventies? Yeah, is that where yeah. we are now. Yeah, and how then? Because by the mid eighties, then you you are producing films. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I stayed in RTE for I think eleven years uh, as a producer initially in current affairs. And on what shows did you work on? I uh, worked on a program called Hall's Pictorial. Started a program called oh, yeah. Hall's Pictorial Weekly, yeah. uh, and uh, worked on a predecessor of that called Newsbeat. And then I, I got, I was appointed assistant controller and then controller. And I, I, I executive produced a seven-part drama series called Strumpet City, which mm. did quite well. Uh, it sold to nearly sixty countries worldwide, and uh, that was. That was a really exciting project to be on. And then as controller, I had the chance to, and took it to start Today Tonight, the current affairs program, um, which which I'm very proud of having been yeah. in, in, involved in. Uh, but then, as you say, there wasn't a film industry, but that I left RTE to, to, to go to the Sunday Tribune, a newspaper that was just starting up again. It had gone, it had gone bust. Uh, but that didn't really work out. I wasn't suited to be the managing director of a newspaper. Yeah. And I wanted to be making programs or, or, or films. 
So I, I got involved in, in that uh, and was, I suppose, one of the earlier people involved in, in, in the nascent. You know. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about that because I think people maybe now, again, to, to give the example of someone now, there's all these production companies and that, you know, this is what I want to get into. You knock on the door of these companies, maybe you'll get a job. What do you do when the, those companies didn't exist? Not at all. They just did not exist. So what, what you just try and find like-minded people and hatch well, a plan or what? what yeah, like-minded work? people. And there were, you know, there were a number of people. Um, and that's exactly kind of how it happened. Today, as you as you say, I mean, that's, I think there's something like 12,000 people working in the audiovisual sector. There's a couple of hundred production companies. Uh, the choices, the options, the the opportunities are so much greater. Mm. You know, there. I'm not saying it there that it's easier, but because it's never easy. You know, to to make something happen that doesn't exist. You know, and that's what being a producer is. You know, you're 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 creating something. You know, bringing the, all the resources together, getting the money, the people, etc., mm. in order to make it happen. I always say a producer's job is is to make it happen. The director's job is to make it good. You know that's that's the way it works. Yeah. But in those days, we were talking about the mid eighties. Uh, there, there was very little uh, of the kind of incentives that exist now. Um, and then things started to change quite slowly. Like I did a film with my friend David Collins called Eat the Peach, which was in the mid eighties, and. I think there were two films made that year. Now, so two films in Ireland were made. Yeah, in, in, yeah, in that entire year, <laughs> and ours was one of them. And the uh, like, I don't know how many were made last year, but it would be forty, maybe. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're turning them out on a weekly basis. Yeah, now, exactly. Uh, as opposed to annually, um, like, have there been times because it's it's yeah, you're involved in that industry now. Say the the broader media industry for f- over fifty years, and as a film producer since the mid eighties, so you know close to forty years. Um, for people though who have no experience of it, it it's kind of it, it, there's an element of glitz and glamour and excitement to it all. I, I mean, you sh- I'm sure you must have come across some incredible characters in your time, did you? Uh, yeah, uh, some of whom one would not necessarily want to talk about because they <laughs> they might have been a bit dodgy, but uh, definitely some characters. Like I, I was quite friendly with Peter O'Toole, who was a, a, a real character. I mean, a remarkable talent, but a very mm. interesting man. And yeah, I met a lot of very, very interesting people. Sadly, quite a number of them, like Peter, are, are not around anymore. Yeah. Uh, I'm just rereading or reading um, Alan Rickman's uh, diaries, which which I uh, got as a Christmas present, and I did a film with him way back um, in the mid '90s. And uh, fascinating, interesting kind of character. His yeah. diaries are quite um, uh, uh, to the point and outspoken. He doesn't. You don't get a mention in it, do you? I don't get a I mention. Bet you Fortunately, I don't. Away, Straight away, where's that year? <laughs> um, were there any people like Rickman or Peter O'Toole who you met that you kind of had to pinch yourself a little bit, or, or were you just such an old pro? You're just like, oh, well, there's you know, there's that incredibly famous actor. What of it? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's when you when you meet them, you know, and you go for like I I went for. Uh, what was meant to be a pint and ended up six or seven pints with Hugh Grant. When you know, 
back in the he was in the same the same film that that oh yeah Alan where was this in New York in no the, in Dublin mid-90s. no Dublin. sorry I was joking <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is Dublin believe it or not uh, it was a movie called an awfully big adventure yeah which was where did you go for points. Uh, one of the pubs near um, Smithfield. Okay. I can't remember the name of it, but we were shooting there and uh, his scenes got long delayed so we just, you know, went for a few pints. But, you know, if you're... They're just ordinary people, really. I know, know but... It's, but to, the, to us mere mortals, so John, you see, there, well, I, there's I, something I, special I, about them. You're just I, so used to them. I, I'm sure there's many people who just give their left finger to be in the same room as you, Kieran. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I will be drinking pints in Smithfield later if anyone wants to uh, find me. Uh, did anyone recognise Hugh Grant in the pub in Smithfield? Uh, they, they did. They did because he, the, at the time that the, uh, not many people would have recognised him, but some did. At the time that, that we were making that film, four weddings at a funeral had just been released. Wow, okay. So, so he, 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 he was just on the cusp as it happens, yeah. you know, uh, and it became, a, you know, a huge sort of international it was, name. It was probably the last time, I'm sure Hugh Grant laments it to this day, it was the last time he could enjoy six or seven pints in Smithfield. <laughs> Very likely. In relative quiet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so listen, like you're still working away because I know you were involved with the Charlie Bird documentary Um like is is that where your work is at the moment? Kind of passion projects, yeah. Like I, that? I think so. I mean, I I think I have a production company, um, and we we develop and hopefully produce various projects. But I think passion projects is probably the the, the right word. Like I've um, I I'm not as actively involved as I would have been twenty years ago, mm. uh, but I have pet projects you know passion projects that that it's that it's really nice to 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 work on uh, john listen it's been an absolute pleasure Thank you very much. No, listen, thanks a million and we'll talk to you again, not next Thursday, we'll talk to you next Wednesday <laughs> for another edition of The Last Post. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.